our new sponsor, Deep Creek Glassworks. Well, for any type of gifts, there's a lot of different options. You can do glass pendants, glass straws, marbles, wine glasses, beer glasses. Mm. You're getting some good quality glass. It is very durable, fast shipping in crush resistant boxes. So you know your product's going to get there. As an extra bonus to our listeners, you can get 10% off of your purchase by using the promo code SUPERFUN when you go to their website. That's Deep Creek Glassworks, W-O-R-X dot Etsy dot com. And you'll be supporting local business as well. Welcome back for another episode of Superfun Game Review Podcast Go. Find us on Facebook.com slash Superfun Podcast. Twitter.com slash Superfun Podcast. Patreon.com slash Superfun Podcast. Instagram at Superfun Podcast Go. iTunes at Superfun Game Review Podcast Go. Thanks and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Superfun Game Review Podcast. Go! Go! <laughs> Go! <laughs> <laughs> So confused. <laughs> I was waiting for the go. <laughs> Me and Ralph are just making out the whole episode. Yeah. You just hear it in the background softly. <laughs> I'll bite my lip. That's got fucking gross. <laughs> Why your mustache is poking my nose? <laughs> All right, That's we have a... my nose. <laughs> Jeez, didn't take that long to get a dick joke in. (laughs) 15 seconds. Oh, that's right. It's the year of the jizz. Yeah, year of the jizz. To my right this evening, we have Mr. Clark. It's not a lake. It's an ocean. Across from me, we have Mr. Ralph. My wife had a phobia of the dark. Special guest this evening, John Evelyn. So we uh, embarked on this journey, the four of us, to review a game. But was it a game? And I'll be your host this evening. Welcome to Night Springs. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the jingle. (laughs) So let's just jump into our initial impressions, guys. Turn on those flashlights and let me hear it. Let you hear it. My batteries are dead. (laughs) It's it's light. You don't hear light. Uh, I thought we were going to dive right in. (laughs) Dive right in. Right after his wife. Yeah. Yeesh, yeesh, <laughs> yeesh. Didn't turn out well. <laughs> I, I wanted to say that initially this this seemed like it was in the same vein as uh, as Silent Hill. I started to get some Silent Hill vibes like right away. Maybe it's just you know male protagonist in in like a spooky setting. It makes me think Silent Hill from the, from the games that we've played. But uh, I didn't get that deep into it, so most of this is going to be going to be learning for me. You guys and are going to yeah. You guys are going to be be throwing everything at me here because full admission i didn't get deep in the game john what's your initial impression you know i played this a little bit going back to it you know i didn't get all the way through it before i came home for the holidays but uh i did beat it you know when it came out and i really enjoyed it back then this like with a lot of other games of that time you kind of look at it now and you kind of go like it's it's got some rough spots and some rough edges and i think i remember it more fondly than it actually is but we can we can talk about that clark kind of the same sentiment i went back to the game and i realized that i didn't necessarily like the controls as much when i played it originally but uh i hold a lot of nostalgia for this game because 
Harry and I played it together, and we played through the whole fucking game in just pretty much one go. Like, we finished the last chapter the next day or yeah. something. It, but, it was what a cliffhanger to, oh my to, God. to end yeah. on for that day, too. I hold the story in high regard, and I think it's just being accustomed to what new gameplay is like. I, I'm not thrilled on the gameplay aspect as much as I as I was. There are it's it's not to say it's bad. I just think it's not as glorious as I originally remember it. So again, I, I do remember that day when we cranked through this game and just how much awe I was in playing through that day. And I've beaten it probably six or seven times now. Holy I, shit! I still find a ton of enjoyment in this game. I the controls were a little wonky, I will say, but. I still enjoyed the combat system. It's so simple, yet so much can happen in, like, the blink of an eye in this game. And I just like the whole combat and just dodging and being able to... It's a lot of crowd control in this game, and I do find that aspect to be a lot of fun in this game. Perfect dodges still feel great. Like, when you can get off of, like, one of the perfect, like, the slow-mo dodges, oh, it, yeah, it yeah. feels so good. Game Development. All right, guys, let's talk game development. This game was made by Remedy, who also brought us Max Payne and Quantum Break afterwards. Yeah, I think they... So this was in a huge development cycle. They started in 2001 yep. when they first started developing this game. Isn't that when Max Payne came out? <laughs> the original? I'm serious. I fact-checked that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't surprise that's, me. That's modern electronics. This is like one of those uh, It's like one of those game developments where the guy just has the idea. He's like, oh, I should do a song about an octopus. And then 12 years later, it comes out. Max Payne 1 released July 23rd, 2001. I wasn't kidding. <laughs> wow. This was originally supposed to be a uh, Xbox launch title for 360. They not. missed that window. Yeah, they missed that window big time. Oh, man. So what year did this come out? Was it 2000... 2010? 2010 for 360 and 12 for PC. So th this came up in the media a couple, maybe two years ago, I think. They lost licensing to a lot of the music in this game. So they had to pull it off of Steam just because a lot of the songs are like ingrained in the game. It's not like a quick... They pulled pat. it everywhere. They pulled it off of Microsoft, too. I, I, I downloaded the, the Steam version uh, to to play it initially. So am, am I like the music that's in it? Is that not the original music? Did they re-release it with different? I don't. I don't know. I didn't get an update. I don't know if they repurchased licenses or they had to just patch it out. Okay, but uh, there's I know a, that was the a bunch issue. of like licensed, like hardcore licensed just radio songs. Yeah, what a massive game. colossal fuck up by a developer. It happens though, dude. That that, that happens all the time. You should you should hear Rockstar. Battling yeah. for all of their music. They had That's to it. patch songs out of San Andreas. Yeah, yeah. They, out of San Andreas. Yes. Yeah, they had they had Ooh. to do that like uh, two years ago. They had to patch songs out of San Andreas. Yeah, it's it's nuts. They have to keep up with licenses. Like that's why a lot of people try to get lifetime lifetime licenses with the music producers because it's easier. Because as long as the company's you know in motion, they still have a license with them. Yeah, I, I can't like. Knowing that it's going to be a piece of media that exists for quite some time, I, I can't see the sense in buying it. Yeah, I'm, I'm no copyright law expert, but to create a piece of art that you have to take parts out of after a certain period of time, like wouldn't you just negotiate it in perpetuity for the use in this game? Right. Like, that but, would make sense. But that's so expensive. When it comes down to it, now, now, like, what's the alternative? Steal it and then have to take it down anyway? Not use it and come up with original music. 
Okay. Oh, I have two things I wanted to say. Is it about licensed music? Yeah. The first one is about about Earthbound. Uh, allegedly, the main reason that that Earthbound, I'm serious, that what the Earthbound was not uh, re-released on like virtual console because <laughs> of the music being basically not. It, they didn't license anything, but there are a lot of homages in in the soundtrack to Earthbound. A lot of homages to famous and popular songs that they didn't necessarily have the rights to. So there's there's that. Nintendo typically always plays it high and tight too when it comes to music. No, they do. They they don't. They they will. They're they favor in-house music versus licensing music. Oh sure, okay, I gotcha. Gentleman who had his hand in the pot when it came to Max Payne, Sam Lake. Yeah. Also headed this project as well. Yeah, you wrote both of them. Makes a cameo yeah. later in this game no, as I mean, well. It's not Sam Lake. It's an ocean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he's he's in the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yep. he is. Well, I think it was either Chapter 5 or Chapter 6. He, did you know he's also the face of Max Payne? Yes. In the yes. original comics from... 1 and 2. 1 and 2, yes. Yep. So this game was originally announced at E3 in 2005. And then yeah. didn't come out until 2012? 10. 10? 10. That's nuts. That's nuts. It's a really long de- development cycle. They were It's like the Duke Nukem Forever well, so, of horror games. So originally they were thinking about bringing out Max Payne and then bringing out Alan Wake. What happened was Max Payne became so popular that they decided, okay, we need to make a sequel. So they made the sequel, and then they finally got on the train for, all right, let's finally make this Alan Wake. But also, they had to do so much writing. There's tons of writing in this. They almost wrote a novel to be the script for this game, which I also thought was interesting because it's about a novelist. Yeah, so I imagine probably the first, I mean, we talked 2001 was like a starting point. It was probably only conceptual for the first couple of years there. Yeah. They didn't even throw product together. Now let's talk real quickly about ad placement in this game, especially if you played the DLC. I'm not going to get into that too much. Verizon. <laughs> All over. All over. Oh, my God, yeah. It's everywhere. I mean, the one DLC is called The Signal, <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's so heavy-handed when it comes to Verizon ads. It's insane. It's got the uh, Can You Hear Me Now guy in it. <laughs> back, when he was, back when he was still working for Verizon. So yeah, now now like, he works for a Sprint. Yeah, now yeah. it's like a weird ad for Sprint when you, yeah. <laughs> when you play Alan Wake. He's like, take DLC. it for me. I work for Sprint now. Maybe like, that was the real issue. They had to that patch had to it. <laughs> That's what they had to patch. They had to put yeah. him in yellow. Yeah. They're like, shit, this guy's the intellectual property of Sprint now. <laughs> I would love to be the intellectual property of a company, <laughs> just like as a person. <laughs> uh, another interesting thing, uh, I, I couldn't really figure out a way to place this into either story or gameplay, but did you guys notice the QR codes? There's four of them throughout the game. No, I miss those. There's no. QR codes. Like, like as soon as you get out of the car and look to the right, there's a QR code on a billboard, and if you scan it, it takes you to the game's Facebook page. There's one in the police station, I think it is, that if you scan it, it sends you a GIF of Sam Lake doing the Max Payne face <laughs> from the... <laughs> so fucking random. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's super weird. It's it's such a weird... I, I swear they were like, oh, QR codes are going to be the future. We have to well, put... A lot yeah, of people- can, we, can we talk about QR codes just as a side tangent? It's like the prime example of just because you can doesn't mean you should. Oh, my God. People have QR codes 
fucking tattoos yeah. that you can scan. And it's like, oh, yeah, here's my business page. That's Don't the, do that. Don't do that. stupid as shit. Are we ready to get into story? I am. I'm ready. Unless you guys want to talk about QR codes a little bit more. <laughs> nope. Yeah, I'm scanning QR codes right now. <laughs> Snapchatting them to all my friends. All right, well, let's pick that page up off of the ground and talk story. Story. Is it just me, or does Alan Wake sound like the alter ego of Sam Lake? It's not. Oh, my God, you cracked the code. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, Ralph, you cracked the code. Listen, Ralph, again, it's not a lake. It's an ocean. Dude, (laughs) he he won't get it. The the remedy the remedy doesn't mean you don't make the joke. <laughs> yeah. The remedy SWAT team is going to bust in here and arrest Ralph <laughs> for giving out secrets with Sam Lake at the front squinting super hard. Yeah. <laughs> so how much are you going to pay for his autograph? Fifty, seventy. No, see, you can't do that. You can't do that because no one no one knows the story. I'm not going to tell the story, but you paid a lot of money for something dumb, so that's cool. Because <laughs> no one's ever done that. Yeah. No. All right, real quick, real quick. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna just to give some context to that joke, just so it's funny to our audience at all. Yeah, explaining jokes yeah. always makes it funnier. No, no, <laughs> I'm giving context. It's a little different. That's my mo. Yeah, yeah just, pretty- just for our female listeners. Why don't you mansplain this one? Yeah. Okay. So Ralph stood in line. Ralph stood in line for like 20 minutes to meet Charles Martinet, to have him sign his. Uh, Who is he? The voice of Mario. Yes, thank you. Because no one fucking exactly. knows that. Exactly. That's why it's a dumb spending of $40. But if you know, you're in the know. And he came <laughs> in, and, and, and we were all making fun of him because he came in his pants in line. All right, let's move on. That is not <laughs> what happened. You were making fun of me because I was smiling in line. Like you like came I was, pants. Like, no, like I, was, like I was very happy to be there. Like I was like really excited. And they took the opportunity to to razz me about it forever, because he came his pants. <laughs> and it was forty dollars to get his autograph, which sounds very very high and ridiculous. But I have a nice shelf piece now that I can look at and say I'm happy I have it. Well, <laughs> wahoo, his pants so let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he framed right it, next to it. Back, one big the, frame. <laughs> the backdrop <laughs> is his pants. That's a that's a big frame. Stains all over it. So I think structurally, to get through the story segment, I think we should do the on-the-surface story first. Maybe the backstory, like maybe getting into Thomas Zane a little bit, and then maybe like some fan theories or so, some of the interpretations you can have throughout this game. Let's do it. You want to lead us off, Ralph? I, I really can't lead you off. I mean, I already <laughs> said that. I, I Guys, I, oh, I barely joke, know man. anything about this game. I'm here as an observer tonight. But primarily, I mean, the game starts and you're, you're in a nightmare. And then you wake up from the nightmare and you're on a, you're on a, like a ferry with your, with your car and your wife. And I didn't pick up that she was his wife until, uh, uh, like, I didn't pick it up immediately. Because he was like, oh, you have a lazy husband. And I was like, wait a minute. Are these two not married and he's like the other man? Like, oh, wait a minute. What's going on? But you get into town and you go into the diner, and I actually, I actually thought it was it was the little bit that I played was interesting. Where he, um, he put the lime in the coconut and drink it all, <laughs> or whatever. Where you, you play the, the jukebox, diner. yeah, yeah. We play the jukebox for the uh, for the for the geezers that are there, and then uh, you. Hey, those geezers are badass. <laughs> Thor and Odin. Thor and Odin. Are they really Thor and Odin? Is that that's at least later? what they call themselves? Yeah. Oh. Okay. They, they pop up in almost every. Maybe like three or four of the episodes. Yeah. Oh, really? They're just like the the old guys. Yeah, they do play a part though in the story. They are do. They, they kind of like the three old men in Cowboy Bebop that are always all over the place. No. Playing poker. 
No, they actually no. serve a purpose to the story. All right, all right. Yeah. I, I, I basically I got to the to the house. Like I, I barely I've like sniffed. This game was a meal. I Whoa, like, sniffed, what were you sniffed the meal. Like I, I, I knew nothing about it. Yeah, this this game's definitely like a big juicy steak, <laughs> and you're just over there just smelling the broccoli. Oh. And if it's, if it's one thing I know about Ralph, he loves a good steak. You put the lime in the coconut and drink them both up. You put the is that how it goes? Nope. Put the lime in the coconut <laughs> Hail and drink to it the all peach. up. Hail to the peach. <laughs> I, it's not that funny. Why do you keep bringing that shit up? Because it's not funny. We bring up fucking Bobby Cat all the time because that wasn't <laughs> funny either. <laughs> I will say, I've used that joke to make fun of Harry to people that don't even know Harry. At this oh, point. me too. Yeah. It's just, it's that good. Don't worry, Harry. I've done it anonymously. <laughs> I just told him about my asshole friend who made this <laughs> terrible joke. And it was so bad. And then people questioned me. They're like, why would you have a friend like that? And I'm like, I've just known him a real I mean, technically, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's like they put us in the same homeroom, and we were just like, uh, <laughs> we're, I, I guess we'll be friends. Yeah, I guess we have to hang out. He liked my micro machines. I liked his mom's cupcakes. And we just <laughs> we went on from there. Oh, wait, a quick open letter to to, to lifelong friends in homeroom. Uh, I, I, have, I have a couple of those, I think. Like I, I, My friend John in Canada... His name, his last name's Denequay. Mine's is Stefano. We were in every homeroom together, and we, a friendship formed. I mean, that happens, right? That's it happens. So yep. Bowles and Clark, were you guys? Because you probably weren't the end. We were of in a B. Second, second grade class together, but that has nothing to do with the podcast. Okay. So we yeah. Maybe we were in hey, a second a grade class, and then we weren't in another class until ninth grade. I know. It's and crazy. then you sat behind me in Weiss Chansky's class, and then we had to stay after class quite a few times because yes, of we that. Did. Yeah. <laughs> we we used to fuck with each other in that class. One side tangent. There was one day, Clark kept poking me with a pencil in my back. It wasn't the, a pencil. <laughs> oh, it was a pencil. Yeah, the entire class just kept poking me, poking me, poking me, poking me. And I finally just grabbed the pencil and threw it across the classroom. Next thing you hear is, Harry, Matt, after class. <laughs> that, <laughs> true story. <laughs> so we sit, so we sit. Oh, my God. What happened after class? Brian Dahl fired him up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. We're, like, just about to, like, have to stay after class. Class is almost over. And Brian Dahl just starts fucking going at him. No, no he was repeating everything he said. Yeah. <laughs> like he just an started, asshole. He, yeah. He just started repeating him. And just, like, with the cocky, it's like, oh, well, yeah. like uh, I can't uh, believe he did the repeater. Oh, yeah. He did. <laughs> it's he a did, bold move. He, like, <laughs> fired him up. Bold. And he's like, Dahl, stay after class. And we're like. No, no, this is after class. Oh, oh, yeah. It was Dahl yeah. on one side of the room, Clark and I on the other side of the room. No, and Fusco got caught up into it, too, because remember... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's a made-up name. Here's the, here's the thing. He was like, And Harry. White Dog Steve. He was like, Harry, Matt, after class. And then Fusco turns to me. He was sitting next to me. He goes, ha! And he's like... Fusco after class. And, and Majib was there, and <laughs> Skaloosh was there, and Fizzle Bits was there. <laughs> Fizzle Bits. Really, they think they went to Hogwarts? What's wrong with you? He thinks all of our friends were Pop Rocks. <laughs> yeah. That's like a weird off brand version of Pop Rocks. Yeah. Fizzle Bits. Fizzle Bits. Fizzle Bits. It's like. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. Is like, that vegan pop rocks? Vizzle bits. I, <laughs> Back to Alan Wake. <laughs> now, that reminds me of another story. Me and Harry had some classes together in high school. We had an English class in our, uh, our senior year. 
Mr. Manowski. <laughs> so, you know, we um we had some students in our first period class that would bring like bagels. And he was trying to be like the cool guy teacher, you know. He was like, "I don't mind if you guys bring food in my class, you know. If you want to eat breakfast in here, that's cool, man. Yeah, you know." And so me and Harry uh, decided one morning that we were going to push the limits on this as far <laughs> as far as, as far, possible, as far as we could. So we stopped at uh, at McDonald's on the way into into school that day and grabbed two big breakfasts. Oh my god, with the pancakes. <laughs> with the pancakes and the scrambled eggs and the sausage. And we literally like just get into class, wait until he starts teaching. Not before while we're waiting. Wait until he starts teaching. Put the uh the big breakfasts on the thing. I had like two extra sandwiches too. And I'm like pawning those off. I'm like, five bucks, who wants an egg McMuffin? And then uh, we're sitting there eating, like, pancakes and, you know, pouring syrup and stuff. He's like, please don't bring food in anymore. <laughs> you broke him. We literally broke him. Like, that was like cl- that class was, like, almost more effort than any of us had left, and it was just a... Uh, it's all right. He didn't finish that year anyway. He didn't? Oh, that's right. He was having an inappropriate relationship with a student. Oh, was yeah. Was he really? Story! So I know you mentioned that, that first scene. It's a very simple scene, but I actually I like that scene. You're just kind of riding on the ferry across the lake, but you're that's basically your ocean. your whole introduction. It's into, not a lake. Yeah. But I like that scene. It's very simple. There, there's not. She takes pictures of him, and he's talking to the the the, the older radio guy. The, yeah, the the radio guy. Oh, that is the radio yeah, guy, the radio and he's head. trying to get an interview. Yeah. Which you, and he's like, oh, I'll be discreet about it. And then, like, throughout the story, people are like, oh, yeah, he was talking about it on the radio that you were in town. <laughs> it's like, you fucking asshole. Yeah. You even hear, like, there, there's uh, one scene in the game where you turn on the radio because there's radios and TVs that you could turn on and get, like, a little small piece of side story, more or less. And the one radio you turn on, you hear him, oh, we have our very own Alan Wake in town this week. And he's like, as soon as, like, the radio ends, he's like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, damn it. It kind of reminds me, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, but um, Into the Mouth of Madness with Sam Neill, where he's a writer, and he goes to like a small town, and shit, shit gets wild. And he's basically like Stephen King, but he's not Stephen King. That's what I was getting from, from this initiate. It's like, he's not Stephen King and not Silent Hill. Who references a Sam Neill movie? It's 2018. Yeah, Fuck if you want here. obscure references, Ralph's your guy. <laughs> That's not that obscure, man. He was Merlin, man. In a TV movie. So you go to the town. Uh, the, the so let's talk more about that first scene for a minute. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, like, th- this is your first introduction that something isn't quite right. You have to creep back into the darkness to pick up this, this key from the old lady. You're supposed to get it from Stucky, but he's yeah, nowhere and, to be found. And, and the lady is just like... Careful, you're going to hurt yourself in the darkness. The oh, darkness yeah, yeah, yeah. is going to hurt you. The whole time that you're walking down the yeah, hallway. Exactly. She's like, ah, ah darkness. Well, that, that's the light lady, or lady of the light. Put the light in the coconut and drink it all up. You put the light in the Is that your one coconut. joke? I'm sorry, yep. real quick. Is that yep. your one joke for yep. the whole podcast? That's, it. that's what I got. Uh, uh. Yeah, he's got that and Sam O'Neill references. <laughs> Take your pick. And if you do go back into the diner after that whole scene... She's, like, nowhere to be found. And he even comments, like, his uh, inner monologue even says, like, oh, where did that lady go? Well, was she really there? She has to go back to the abandoned fucking power plant she lives in. No, 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 I'm not talking about Lady of the Light. I'm talking about the old lady that gives you the key. Oh. That just kind of pulls oh. it out of her sleeve in one swift motion. That... Oh, she doesn't come up again? Oh, yeah. 
Uh, she does. She's, she does. She's like she, the antagonist. she says she insists on meeting your wife. So you get to the cabin, right? They're trying to settle in. You find pretty quickly that that um, his wife Alice has a fear of the dark. Fear, fear of, of the dark. dark. <laughs> fear of the dark. So they get in a fight. So he, the, the, this whole getaway is because he has writer's block. He's a famous ho- horror author. He just can't, I guess, come up with a new plot line. He's been having writer's block for, I guess, a year or two at this point. Yeah, I think it's, it's two years. I think it's two years. Because he said as soon as he published his last book, he hasn't been able to write a single word. Yes. So he goes with all intentions of just getting away for a little while. And then his wife is like, ooh, I got a secret for you. <laughs> his wife's kind of an asshole yeah. here. Doesn't I, know I, him at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, have you? are you, like, have you married him? Like, do you, like, live with him? Do you know him? But uh, she's like, oh, go check it out in the study. And he walks in. There's a fucking typewriter. <laughs> she's like, I was just thinking that you could, like, maybe start writing your next book here. Yeah, baby needs a new Porsche. Like, right away. Like, they just got in. Oh, yeah. She didn't even let him relax. (laughs) She's like, oh, my God, it's dark here. Fix the fuses. Oh, I have a present for you. Um, When did she set that up? In the dark? (laughs) (laughs) So he runs out all pissed off, and then the lights go off, and then uh, she starts screaming, runs back to the cabin, and then she gets, like, pulled out of the fucking cabin and, like, thrown in the lake. And he dives off after. Well, well, what's really crazy about that scene, real quick, is he's, like, walking out, and the lights go out, and he's just, like, he, like, gets halfway down the dock, and he's, like, <laughs> damn it. And then, like, turns around, and he's, like, I guess I'll go save her from the dark, and it's, like, the last time that he sees her for a really long time. <laughs> yeah. this, is like, this is, like, a realistic depiction of, like, marriage. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like ah, she's afraid of that. <laughs> like, it's just like the worst couple in so the world. Really, like play it out too, and just walk back to the cabin. Like, no, don't even run. No, he did. He starts like casually walking back, and then he busts out into a sprint when she's like, ah. What is she like? You heard me, bitch. So after he hits the water, he just wakes up in a car, and yep. he's just traveling. Concussed. Yeah, concussed. And basically, the rest of chapter one is just heading to the the um the gas station because yep. it's the nearest light source. He I can feel find. like I've heard this before. I'm looking well, for my okay, daughter. that's the first time that you see the the enemy. Yes, yes, right, yeah. That's the first time you see like the darkness. Was the radio staticky as well? I mean, Ralph does bring up a pretty good point there. Like, this is definitely influenced by other horror games. But we'll, oh, for we'll sure. Get there. It's hard to come up with an original idea, I feel, for the horror genre specifically. Well, I think his character looks a lot like the uh, Alone in the Dark remake. His character model looks very similar. Yeah, it's like generic white guy skin number four. Yeah. (laughs) I want to say the first couple chapters is just kind of introducing you to the town and the world. And through his agent Barry, you're learning some of the lore and like urban legends of this town. And like you start hearing this name Thomas Zane. You even find books in the cabin titled by Thomas Zane, and nobody's ever heard of this guy before. I guess a good half of this game, you think your wife was kidnapped, and this kidnapper is constantly contacting you. You need to bring all the manuscript pages to such and such point, and you meet up with him a couple times. Yeah, and he's always like, oh yeah, well, I was going to meet you there, but meet me over here instead. At what point would you just be like, I don't know, Alan Wake doesn't really, uh, maybe this is just a annoyance but he kind of at what point does he even does he even try to contact the authorities 
He does. He calls the, he calls the sheriff in the first place. Right. Yeah, that okay. happens at the end of the f- chapter one. Okay. But then yeah. he starts, like, all this, this just, supernatural stuff he's seeing, they're just going to throw him in, like, the loony bin, he's saying. Right. If he's starting to tell him this. so Right, right. He's trying to include him in as much as possible before he crosses, like, a certain line. But m- m- my whole thing is he only questions what's happening around him, like, one time. He doesn't, like, he's not more inquisitive. Like, they keep telling him, telling the, the player that he's, like, oh, Alan Wake's a skeptic, and, like, oh, he, like questions everything but he like he never questions like oh is this person actually kidnapped my wife is this person actually have her i saw her go into a fucking lake why would someone have her like he never questions yeah that that, that is weird that he would come to that conclusion hey she fell in a lake i dove in after her i saw her at the bottom of the lake and someone has her yeah, that that's a weird correlation yeah. that he. And then I with. woke up in a car, have no memory of getting there, and you know. Yeah. yeah. Don't question that. Don't question any of it. Yeah. We, I mean, we, we should mention while I mention the manuscript pages, he's finding this trail of manus- manuscript pages as he's uh, traversing through the levels, that it's actually predicting the future, and everything that he's reading is actually happening. Happening. Uh, that 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 he's reading, and that that actually makes for a really awesome storytelling because you sometimes will find a page that has nothing to do with what you're currently doing and you're like okay so what can i decipher from this page for what i need to do later and what needs to like influence me later what's interesting about the pages as well a lot of times like sometimes they'll talk about your particular story but then they'll fill in gaps in other characters story like there's a later point when this is when you get into chapter four you wake up in the insane asylum and you find a like and you do come across Barry who's locked away in there but there's a page that you read what what happened to Barry to get to that point how did he get into that building and he was looking for Alan they locked him away as soon as he mentioned the name but they they do kind of like build the story from the sides a little bit as you're reading these pages yeah they they build the narrative with actual like novelization of what's going on, which I think is actually really an interesting way to like fill in those gaps. Yeah, it's it's really cleverly, cleverly framed with the narrative device there. But you know, the question is where are these manuscript pages coming from? What are they doing? That's kind of the fan theory portion of it. Right? Well, no, they 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 kind of hint, um, and this this will tie more in with uh, Thomas Zane, but right. like Zane is kind of actively looking through this book that Zane wrote that Alan Wake needs to finish, essentially, and he's taking out the pages and and placing them for Alan to find. He didn't so write it. Alan wrote the pages. Right, that's the thing. Did Al- Alan Thomas wrote- stole the pages. Oh, yeah, That sorry. was the last thing that Alan Wake wrote when he was... So when from the time he dives into the water to the time he wakes up in the car, a whole week has passed. Right. He's been locked away in the cabin in the darkness world being forced to write this book somewhere in his subconscious he wrote into the story that thomas zane came to save him bringing the light and that thomas zane would take the pages and give them to him as needed that's yeah, right so yeah. that she couldn't utilize them and then he sprinkles them throughout the world as like a almost like a crumb trail to follow mm-hmm. which is that's kind of like the big reveal late chapter four early chapter five when all this starts to unravel that thomas Zane storyline happened in the past. Maybe we should dive into that a little bit because that 
kind of explains the ending a little bit. Okay. Before we get into that, though, I, I do want to mention there is a crucial scene in the beginning of Chapter 2 that talks about when they're living in their apartment, I think, back home in New York. The lights go out. It shows uh, his wife's phobia to this darkness, and he tells a little story about he was afraid of the dark when he was a child, and his mother gave him this tool called the clicker. And it's basically a light switch cut from the wall, I guess, essentially. And if he presses this button, it'll illuminate the room. It's like his fantasy kind of tool that his mom used to kind of... It's a safety blanket, essentially. So I think that was a crucial scene, and they sprinkle it into the game early to explain events that happen later in the game. I could see they could have really dropped the ball on that one if they play that scene and then play the ending. It's like... It's like, okay, so this is just a plot device for a plot device. Exactly. Yeah. But but the, the way they, they craft it into the, the story early, and you almost forget about it. So oh, yeah. really when the story starts unfolding, you get to the farm where it was um, the old gods of Asgard farm. It was these two guys, the two elderly guys that you see sp- that pop up here and there in the game that they're, they're um, labeled as crazy now. That's why they're stuck in that home. But they were the second... Artists, I guess, to encounter the darkness force. Right. And they wrote... and Basically, the, the darkness always manipulates through whatever media form of art that you produce to do its bidding, essentially. And they did music. Now, the way that they subconsciously got the message out there, they wrote the truth of what's happening in their song. It was their song lyrics. So there's a song that you listen to at the end of chapter four that's called The Poet and the Muse. And it's basically the whole story of Thomas Zane, if you listen to all the lyrics. It's actually a really good song, too. When, it is. When we get it, to, it, to it the music segment, I, I want to talk about that. And and so there, the, the main pieces of that is find the Lady of the Light. She will show you the way. Stop the darkness. And, and that's essentially where chapter five goes. You're right. looking for the Lady of the Light, which you realize is the old lady from the very beginning of the game. Who was part of, like... She was an admirer of Thomas Zane. She she had a crush on him. Yeah, she she was like a odd love triangle type of thing. Was it? Uh, well, uh, so <laughs> dash with a point over here, an uncompleted yeah. triangle. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it, it was a love L. <laughs> so at the end of chapter four, Barry has this great idea to get drunk because that's how we deal with awful situations, which was. And Alan's and Alan's like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I mean, it's such a dumb idea. But yeah, unveiling the truth, the 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 old gods of Asgard band, it was in the liquor. He didn't lose the fog in his brain until he drank that alcohol, which is what made him like, oh man, they're singing it in their lyrics. Like that was what made him remember everything he did during that week that he was in the cat. Like he. Hadn't the foggiest idea what happened in that week time frame until right. that moment. So it just goes to show you, booze fixes all your problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We should mention at the end of that chapter, oh, Agent Nightingale is the one that puts him in a cell at the end of that chapter as well. Yeah, Agent Nightingale. Okay, I have a list here. Anytime he encounters Agent Nightingale, he calls him a different famous author every fucking single time. Here's the ones that I caught. He's like that douchey detective. Too. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's like, he's like I ain't got time for your well, bullshit. He's an, FBI, he's an FBI agent, like a rogue, yeah. drunk FBI agent. He calls him, at different points, Dan Brown, H.P. Lovecraft, Hemingway, Spillane, Stephen King. Like, Yeah, just, I, 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 I caught a couple of those, too. He just is always calling him different things. Like, 
Now uh, that that was one of the greatest scenes though, at the beginning of chapter five. This is when the actual um I guess the police officer of that town becomes Sarah. aware of her, yeah, becomes aware of everything and Barry sees like the fullness of what's going on. You actually have comrades in this this chapter, which is pretty cool. But Nightingale is reading from one of the pages he found, and he's like, wait a minute. I remember reading this. And then the darkness just bursts in the door and grabs him out in that scene. it was. I think it's a really lighthearted, well, not lighthearted. It's a funny scene, though. A it's man a- died. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're totally right when it comes to that decision to drink with Barry. It makes no sense at not, all. No. Because, I mean, just think about by that point in the game how many people – you, even if they're just, you know, darkness infected, you know, shades or whatever, you've killed how many people at that point? Right. <laughs> like, nobody, nobody's like... I know, they got drunk on a whim. That yeah, was just a terrible like, decision. Hey, look, beer. You know, it's just like, no, man, nobody's going to do that. I, I mean, my favorite scene is at the end of Chapter 5, when you're talking to the Lady of the Light, and she explains the whole Thomas Zane past, which we'll get into in a second. You go in the safe room that she's been working on for like the last 30 years, and boom, there's a clicker in the box. And then music kicks in, they shut the safe door, and yeah, just... Yeah, and he's like, this is what I need. Yeah, I just... Such a cool ending to that chapter. And there's really not much to talk about in chapter six, except that he goes... Yeah, he just goes Plunges like his fist game, in... Really, yeah, yeah, he plunges his fist into the darkness, clicks it, and then there's that whole cutscene where... His wife climbs out of the water, and he's nowhere to be found. And then it shows him typing on the thing, that that line that you already said like three or four times. It's not a lake, it's an ocean. Yes, exactly. Dot, dot, dot. That's how the screen ends. There's a, yeah, it, the it turns into a period as he's hitting the period on the typewriter, and then it and then it ellipses. So yeah, that's the on-the-surface story. The Thomas Zane and um, Barbara Jagger story. So I mean, that's that's pretty quick. Barbara Jagger is the lady in black that is kind of the antagonist. And Thomas Zane is essentially helping Alan throughout the the game. And he was one of the he was the first person to have this happen to him where the Uh, darkness took over. Right. Well, no, I mean, so the way I always interpreted that was Thomas Zane. Barbara drowns in the lake and then he brings her back using the power of the lake. But when she comes back. She's been kind of corrupted by that darkness. And he explains she doesn't have a heart. Right, yeah. yeah. So when he, she comes back, it's not the same person that, you know, went in. Right? It's like the, you know, she was transformed by the darkness. Born of it. Born um, of it. He was convinced, by the way, to bring her back through his, I think it was Secretary Emil. Yeah. E-M-I-L. The name pops up a couple times in the game. Right, but right. unless you really dig in the story, it yeah. doesn't mean anything to you. Right, so yeah, I mean, he brings her back. It's the first time the Dark Presence kind of shows up, and it's really just because of him that whole cycle starts. So yeah, he's trying to help, you know, Alan and all that kind of stuff, but it's because, you know, he's just trying to cover his own ass a little bit. To explain why he's always seen in the diver's outfit, he'd like to dive that recreationally, but... It's even called Diver's Island. He named it. He used to own the aisle. So when he killed Barbara Jagger after she came back to light, like he like murdered her and then he went down in the lake with her to die but before he did he wrote a story creating the clicker he wrote this story about alan wake almost bringing alan wake into existence 
essentially. Right. He literally uses the power of the lake to start all the events, right? Because he knows he can't defeat the darkness himself because he's too corrupted by it already or whatever. But, you know, the power of the lake is to make things real that are in that media form. So he uses the power of the lake to start all the events of the game. So that's why the game plays like a script because it was a script and a story. Essentially. So that's why it's so linear. That's also the reason why... Nobody remembers the island or, or knows of the island, but it disappeared. He wrote that in. He wanted to completely eradicate his existence. That's why nobody has heard of Thomas Zane as an author before, except for people that have met him before. But, like, right. he wrote himself out of existence, including his house and cabin on the water, before he killed himself. So it's like this weird, like, little loop, if you think about it. Because Thomas Zane wrote about Alan Wake, but Alan Wake writes about Thomas Zane. That they're, like, interconnected. Like, you can't have one without the other. Peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) 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 So, some quick things I picked up on this playthrough that I didn't on past ones. Lady of the Light. I forget her name. The, The old lady. But she did have a crush on Thomas Zane, which we covered. But she did mention that Thomas Zane communicates with her every once in a while still. Yeah. Through the TV and through... I think she's just crazy. It, that, that potentially could be. Yeah, doesn't she live in a power plant? Yeah, she lives in an abandoned power plant. So that basically wraps up the main story from Alan Wake. There's a couple little bullet points I wanted to hit that I, I found were kind of interesting as I played through. Let's see. So the characters Odin and Thor that were in the game. Odin wears an eye patch. Thor has this little like squeaky hammer that oh. he hits around. That he, that he almost beats a nurse to death with <laughs> at one point. Yeah. How do they let him have that? <laughs> yeah. There's a scene where Barry and Alan are in the car and they crash the car. Uh, Barry goes over and he's so concerned about the cardboard cutout of Alan that he's running with it the rest of that chapter. Oh, my God. that's I don't know what his fucking obsession with it is, but he like constantly is like setting it up. Yeah. And just like so, one of the only things I would change is if anybody's seen the movie Tropic Thunder, Matthew McConaughey plays the agent in that. If we could just substitute Barry in the remake of this with like Matthew McConaughey playing Barry with a cardboard cutout, I mean, you can make this. You know, Ben Stiller could probably do that squinty bullshit face. He could be Sam Link. He could be. Penn Stiller as Sam Lake. As Max Payne. <laughs> as Max Payne. <laughs> that would be like the ju- that would be the equivalent of like Johnny English game. to Bond movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Be- yeah, they're just making the well, I actually heard a rumor that they were making a Alan Wake series. Yes. I actually was gonna tie that in. Yeah, it's either yeah. gonna be on Hulu or Twitter. Uh but it was Twitter? A- <laughs> no, not Twitter. Fuck <laughs> Episodic. Okay. Yeah, they're going to release 140, 140 characters. characters at a time. <laughs> sorry, you I have meant to pilot yourself. I, I meant Netflix. Sorry, I don't know why I said Twitter. It's on the Instagram. <laughs> yeah, they're going to release it on Instagram in one minute segments. All right, all right, all right. Oh, uh, that's fucking hey, awesome. Hey, Alan, I got your uh, cardboard cutout over here, man. I'm just going to set it up. <laughs> Did anyone see the Sam Lake apology video? No. So it was, it was after Quantum Break came out. Or it was either it was either right after or right before they announced Quantum Break, I think. Actually, he, like, addressed specifically. He was like, look, I am really sorry about Alan Wake. 
He's like, we really pushed to do a second one, and it's not going to happen. Like, the studio, like, Microsoft won't let us make one. They don't see, believe in the funding in it. It sold a bunch of copies after the fact, but it didn't make an initial boom enough to to justify making a sequel. Like, but he's like very serious and like it's very Squinty. like yeah, it's <laughs> no, it's like it's like really sad actually because you can tell how much he loved making yeah. the game. Yeah. So there, there's the rumor of a potential Alan Wake TV show. I don't know how that how much they're going to tie it into what has already occurred or if it's going to just be a reboot and start the story over. Cause I mean, that game came out, you know, seven years ago, almost at this point. So you're talking, you know, probably eight, gonna... eight. it was 2010. Was it? Jeez. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, nine, nine years ago yeah, now. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think they're just going to retell the story in the first season. If I had to guess, I mean, that would make sense. I'd be okay with that. If they wanted to like canonically just, make a canon for themselves to to go off of because the game the game can have some differences you know what i mean there was um i don't know if you guys remember when this game first released remember when you could download like spoofy videos like when we used to watch um oh the guild the guild on xbox like they they had this like mini series thing that they were really trying to push on xbox yes they did a six-part mini series as like a prequel to this game i actually have it still downloaded on my 360 but it's basically a six-part like series of how somebody gets taken as one of the the people in the darkness yeah don't they like slowly turn we watched it together yeah yeah Yeah. like this guy he just didn't know why there was a dead deer in his cabin the one night yeah he didn't know why he couldn't leave the town he would have these blackouts whenever he stepped into the like the darkness like like it was just like telling the tale of one of the the characters that you would kill, right? In this and then game. you brutally murder him. <laughs> yeah. A couple other things I want to mention: the the symbolism in this game, or the references to light and dark. They had the Bright's Diner, Agent Nightingale, Cauldron Lake. Oh, I, I said that because something's brewing here. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You just cracked yourself up. <laughs> yeah. uh, side note: with the Night Springs TV show, though, Night that's- Springs. What? Light and Dark, Night Springs. No, no, no. I that that's where Alan Wake got his writing career started. Barry got him a writing gig on that TV show. In the uh, Mental Asylum, there is a Night Springs Xbox 360 game and an Xbox 360 sitting on one of the tables, right next to a Verizon cell phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one thing that I wanted to touch on uh, about the game that I thought was pretty awesome, as a big Max Payne fan. Alan, his last book is called Sudden Stop, which is the name of one of the chapters of, of, I believe, a a chapter in Max Payne 2. It's called The Sudden Stop. And you can find manuscript pages in the game that are voiced by the same person that does Max Payne, and it's telling small little tales of the... Uh, Max Payne game series which I thought was really cool because like there's one where it's undeniably Max Payne like he's just talking about I miss my wife I I miss my baby I'm drowning myself in like booze and painkillers and things like that like it's really like intense the really intense depression stuff that that Max Payne deals with in 2 I wouldn't know right from wrong if they were collecting for the Red Cross or banging my sister (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> That's my favorite line from Max Payne 3. There is a reason why the voice actor Max Payne did that manuscript page too. He actually voiced one of the characters in this game. But we'll get that in just a little bit. Let's talk gameplay. <laughs> gameplay. The mouse was really sensitive. I played on PC and it was just like, I th I went into the to controls and tried to adjust it, but no, he would just like spin around like way too fast. Yeah, the, the, the mouse for PC is like awful. And then I tried to switch to a controller and the controller just like wasn't there either. And I forget if it was like that on, on console itself. No, it was pretty decent on console. Yeah, it feels fine on console. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the PC, I don't know what exactly it was. It was, it was, pretty, it was pretty wonky. Yeah, actually, it feels pretty smooth on console, actually. Minus the um, so, some of the weirdness with his movement, but I mean... You mean, like, like, starting to run? How he's, like, he, like, lunges over like he's yeah. walking on all fours like a monkey? Shift, shift, and, like, forward to run, and he would, like, like do this, like, weird, like, body movement Yeah, thing. he does this weird, like, um, it's kind of like a waddle to run type of thing. He's like, take your time. It's only, like, six hours fucking long. <laughs> Where are you running to? I was in a rush. Now, when it does come to the running, though, he runs out of stamina extremely quick in this game. Oh, he's yeah. He's, shitty a, he's like a fucking chain smoker. They just never saw him yeah. smoking. Yeah, he's a writer, not a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a superhero. He's an everyman. Yeah, except for with a gun for some yeah. reason. <laughs> he's, he's just devastating. Like, he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, man. I have to use this gun and swap pose. Like He's yeah. just like got the fucking flashlight under the gun. Just unbelievably effective. Yeah. I, I gotta say, like... It's all that research he did for sudden stop. <laughs> the gameplay itself is pretty simple. I think that the shooting is pretty solid. I didn't really have any issues with it. I didn't think it was, like, over-the-top amazing. I don't think you're really capable of getting headshots in the game, like, too Actually, too I, easily. I don't think you can get a headshot in That's That's what I'm saying. Location like, damage? Yeah, it just kind of seems like it's you either hit or miss. There's no like limb damage, that kind of thing in it. It's not a very in-depth shooter. Some of the things that I really like about it are I I like that you have to like break them of the darkness before you can put them away, and I love the flares and flare gun. I think that's such a cool mechanic playing with the light and dark. Yeah, I think that's kind of the highlight of the whole game is how it plays with light and dark. It's well designed in that way. Although this is kind of a problem not just in Alan Wake, but just generally in games for me. How many times have you ever used a flashlight for like 30 seconds and then had to replace the batteries? And I, you know, it's fine. I, I love the flare gun. I agree with Clark there. That That's a really good... It's sa satisfying when you just kill all the enemies on the screen with a flare gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's real good. But, uh, yeah, there's some... Uh, it, it's an interesting dynamic, but it does turn into... I think the reason that the shooting isn't that challenging is because of the mechanic... There's never any, like, quick twitch shooting. So, like, you're trying to, like, save up ammo because you're survival horror, so you always save up the good ammo and then never use it at the end of the game, and you wonder why. See, I knew that going into this ammo. playthrough, though. I was using the big guns first. Right, right. And then falling back on the weaker stuff as I ran out. Right. So, But, like, because you're taking that time to aim to break their shields, right, so you're holding them, like, with the flashlight, you're, like, lining up the shot for, like, a good five seconds and and by the time like the shields break you're just like okay there's no like man i missed that shot how did i miss that or boy that was a cool like turnaround headshot where i killed that guy like that never happens because you're always constantly 
having to break the shields with the light. Yeah. So, I, I think to be honest, to to master this game, one of the 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 most important techniques you kind of have to learn is the quick flash with a flashlight. It stuns all of the enemies. Like if you hit them with a bright light in the face, they cower for like three or four seconds. And that that's when I was talking about crowd control earlier. Yeah. You got to know. Flash that person, flash that person, right? So that you have enough, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like Marvin, dick shot, dick shot, <laughs> <laughs> so that you have enough time to really focus the light on one right. creature at a time and eliminate yeah. them. It, it's like a process of elimination kind of thing. Flash everybody so that they're stunned, then you can focus and, and eliminate one. What other weapons are there? Because I only had the the revolver and the flare gun. So it, it, shotgun. Is Standard, shotgun, standard stuff. Which you can interchange with the rifle. Yeah, the rifle. Like, you can't have both at the same time. You have to pick up one or the other. Shotgun um, where, is where it's at. Absolutely. I, I never use the fucking rifle. They they do almost about the same base damage. The The only difference is the shotgun holds eight shells, and the rifle only holds two. Right, but the rifle shoots in lines. Oh, I didn't know that. But the shotgun has a spray, so if they're ganging up on you you can hit yeah no the shotgun's the obvious choice yeah Yeah. because you never like in the later chapters when you're in the asylum when you're doing the other stuff in like the farm like you're usually not in an open field where you're you're rarely in a position to use a ranged weapon yeah Yeah. you never you never fight the darkness in an open field i think some of the cooler aspects of the enemies when you like first encounter an enemy and it's like that slowdown and they're like usually like behind you yeah. and they're like only a few feet away and you're like oh shit oh god like <laughs> like that's like the initial like jump scares to me or like when you're like fighting off like a few guys in front of you and then just you see one like right behind you it's it's interesting to see like you have all this light in front of you and you kind of see your silhouette and that's how you're moving around and then you just see like a black axe behind you and you're like oh shit like, perfect dodge out of there. Like, that stuff is, like, really satisfying. The perfect dodge. There's also flashbangs in the game. You just toss one of those. It clears all the enemies around you. doesn't even just eliminate the darkness. It kills them as well. We mentioned flares, the flare gun. That's... That's pretty much it. There's not a lot of variety. It's, it's a pretty... It's not a lot. It's a simple combat system in this yeah, game. Yeah, it's a simple shooter for sure. Man, uh, I hate that first flashlight. I gotta say... It takes yeah. so long to break someone's there, there's shield There's three down. tiers to the flashlight, Ralph. There's like a basic one and then one that holds a little bit more battery and then there's like the... Yeah, it's like your standard household flashlight, then your mag light that a police officer carries, and then your like industrial fucking lantern light type of deal. So there's also like usable objects to create a light source as well. There's generators you have to power up, which will put a, a beam of light over you. There's... um. Spotlights that you can control and maneuver around. <laughs> you were like, "Whoa!" Yeah, that's like a bizarre, um, like every other first-person shooter, where it's like, "Get on the machine gun and take out those guys," and it's yeah. just like, "Get on the spotlight, get on the spotlight, <laughs> and hit them with it." Like, <laughs> what? Light them up? Yeah. No, I mean literally light them up with the light. Highlight them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a really weird, like you know. And then just even the car, which you can use the high beams to, and then just run them over. Right, right. <laughs> Why wasn't he constantly using those high beams? <laughs> yeah, I know. Again, this is the battery discussion. You turn your high beams on all the time. I don't understand why they run out. Like, I know it's a plot device, so you don't break the game, but it's just always been a plot hole that bothers me in these games. 
You get one of those survival lights where you crank it. <laughs> that would have been amazing. It's yeah. the first weapon. Yeah. Like the first flashlight is just like my first flashlight, and it's like a, a hand crank solar one. And then it like barely, barely works, and you're just yeah. like, oh no. Yeah. Oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Let's shine our light on it and talk about some graphics. Graphics. Shine the light. Shine the light. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Oh my god, that should have been the end of the this game. This little light of mine. Not, not his terrible singing, but like a, like a weird, creepy version yeah. of that. Or is this, this little light of mine? No, it's not the R&B version, Ralph. So graphically, I don't have much to say. I, I like the environments. They get a bit repetitive at times. But I like the, the this like it's not like fog, but like this black sh- like shadows that are constantly covering your path, and it well, makes it feel like it's a windy night when you're going through the forest at points in the game. Yeah. Oh yeah, like that blur effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. on everything. Yeah. yeah. It's. I mean, it's obviously if the game didn't do it effectively with the light and the darkness and the lighting effects were bad, like the game wouldn't work. Like, it right. just wouldn't work at all. So they were effective in that. The character models are okay. They're not great. The facial animations are abysmal. Are real bad. bad. Yeah. They're yeah. terrible. Yeah. They're they're downright bad. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's acceptable when you're playing it, and then, but it's not one of those things where you take a closer look and you just kind of have that moment where you're just like, this is a really good-looking game, right? Wow. There's this one scene, right, where... His uh, wife is like in bed and she looks at him and she's like trying to talk to him and she goes like this. <laughs> Why don't you come back to bed, Alan? And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> she's goddamn possessed. Kind of. Yeah, but still, it's, it's <laughs> by the darkness. It's it's real bad. It's like it's outstandingly bad. Yeah. Instead of giving you a uh, fuck me eyes, it was fuck. Yeah. <laughs> ah, fuck me. <laughs> what have I done with my life? <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, talk about the audio of the game. Music. I think the audio in the game is fucking fantastic. Absolutely. I, I, I really honestly, I, I think it's probably one of the better qualities of the game next to story. Like the the architecture of the story, they make every branch sound different. Like it's cracking at a different point when it breaks and stuff like that. Like the the sound effects that they use are very very like surreal. And when we were playing, we were playing on surround sound. And when like a branch cracks behind you, it sounds like an actual fucking branch cracking behind you, and it is petrifying. This is one of the better aspects of the game. The voice acting's incredible. I, I think everyone did a really good job. There's no one that really stands out as being completely flat or dull. And the narration of the different pages and stuff. And, like, you know, I have, like, soft spot for the the guy that voices Max Payne. Oh, hold on. I got his name right here. James McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I have a soft spot for that dude's voice. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love that guy's voice. Like, I think it's, like, absolutely excellent. So he voiced Thomas Zane in this game. Okay, I thought so. How much would you pay for his autograph? Uh, Zero dollars. Just wondering. I'd like to shake his hand and say, hey, I admire your work, but I wouldn't pay money to do it. Okay, just just thought I'd ask. Now, the sound in this game is where I kind of it kind of pulls you in more than the graphics, just 
it's all sound, atmosphere, and light. That's it. It's just playing on light and darkness. It's just well-designed sound. Voice acting's good. I mean, nobody's abhorrently bad, right? So I think that's fine. But for me, it's, you know, the music in this game, too. Not just the sound design and the effect design. Uh, the music fits in the places that they use it. And uh, I think it's one of those things where they pick songs that make sense about the right, fits the mood. You know, the whole stuff with the uh, with the two musicians is good. The way they brought that music in and made it a part of the story was well designed. But the sound is way better than the graphics or the graphics. In this the game. graphics? The, the graphics. <laughs> it's, it's a soft G. <laughs> the graphics. <laughs> <laughs> The giraffics. <laughs> He's pointing to a giraffe in uh, the room. So yeah, just to compliment what you guys have been saying, I, I think the sound is one of the strongest points of this game. I actually find the soundtrack to this game to be absolutely amazing. The original soundtrack for this game and the licensed pieces that they brought into this game. I mean, you got David Bowie. Is that Space Odyssey? Space Oddity. Space Oddity. That, that was like the ending credit song. The Poet and the Muse by Old Gods of Asgard. Like they... I like that they brought on this band like almost exclusively to this game, the Old Gods of Asgard band. I don't, I don't know them really outside of this game at all, but they did use a couple tracks for the soundtrack, including that Poet and the Muse song, which I talked about earlier, which basically recaps the whole Thomas Zane storyline. L- listen to the lyrics sometime. It, like, it talks about the, the Lady of the Light in the song and how he, she drowned and how he brought her back to life and she didn't have a heart. Like The whole, the whole Thomas Zane story is this song. Which they incorporated as the old god or the old gods of Asgard, Odin and Thor writing this song. It, it just I like just the whole how they incorporated that song into this game. It's such a big piece in this game. I still get chills like that scene when they reveal the clicker in the vault and they're shutting the door. That song that plays, it just I don't. I get chills every time that that whole scene plays. I absolutely love it. Just when that music kicks in, it just I don't know. I still remember that moment that day when we got to that scene, and that's where we had to call it for the day. Oh, I was no, like, it's was such so an epic moment in the game. Just everything comes together in that one scene. Did They pick this amazing piece to play, and oh, shit, we, we got to stop playing for the day there. And it was just like, fuck! So the old gods of Asgard are actually the poets of the fall. It's a Finnish rock band established in 2003. So all the rest of their material is actually out under that name. Okay. The stuff that they put out for Alan Wake was released under the old gods of Asgard. But it's a band called Poets of the Fall, and it seems like they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like eight albums out there. So there's probably a decent amount of material. You know, I can't tell you if it's similar to the stuff they did for this, but, you know, they were a pretty good band. I, I, I enjoyed the stuff that they played. It's, you know... From from my research today, they've actually done other Remedy games. Okay. And they are also in the same TV video with Alan Wake, Sam Lake. At the end, they come in and they shake the hands. He says, oh, thank you for joining us. And it's the the band was like the house band that night, like a like a late night show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're the band. When the first episode ends, too, there's a, I forget the name, it's some Sandman song. The plays like Mr. Sandman. That wasn't that one. Bring me a dream. Make him the sweetest that I've ever seen. 
There's another Sandman song. Which? So I don't know where else to really talk. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, they literally licensed one Metallica song. Take my hand. Off to never, never land. Final thoughts. I think this is a really well-made game. I was never a huge Max Payne guy. I really didn't like Quantum Break. This is probably my favorite thing that Sam Lake's probably done. I think it's well-paced. I think the story is pretty interesting. I do have my problems with it. I wish it had a little more variation in in how you fight the enemies and and how... Because it it does... In about Chapter 4, when you're on your, like, 12th wave of guys getting through, it kind of gets a little repetitive. But I think it's a well-paced game. I think the storyline's interesting. I think it's just one of those, one of those things where you really just gotta, you know, work on it and, and get through it. But it's a rewarding experience, and you know, I enjoyed it. I think the game, when it came out, did a lot of things for narrative and did a lot of things for sound design. Gameplay, it's a little archaic. It doesn't really have much going on. It gets pretty boring. If I'm being completely honest, it, it, it's it's a lot of the same. You're either dodging big objects or you're lighting something shield down and then shooting it in the face and then you carry on to the next one. The only variation in gameplay that I even remember is being on the stage for the Asgard. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, we didn't, We didn't. but I'm talking about it now. So that that's a cool area, you know, where you're, like, using the spotlights and the fireworks and shit like that. Like, that was really cool, but it, it just doesn't... It doesn't do enough different. I was going to say, right, but it's the same thing. You're killing the same enemies the same way. Right, and and you just continue killing like the same thing over and over and over again. There's not variation in the enemies even. There's big guys, small guys, that's it. Uh, and fast guys, crows. Like, it's just, it's it's not, you know. Other than that, though, I will say that I did really enjoy the story, and it's something that I can get into over and over again. But it has its shortcomings as a game viewed now. Back then, though, I thought it was a spectacular game. So what that kind of leads me to believe is, like, your first experience with the game might be way more impactful than the second time you play it. Right. It's not a game that, as I got into it again and played through it the second time, I really was like, oh, boy, why did I not play this again sooner? Right. It just was. I'll uh, agree to some of those sentiments that you said, um... Sediments or sentiments? Sentiments, sorry. I did that earlier, too. Yeah. Sediments. <laughs> sediments. Sediments. Sorry. Just along it's the bank a, of the river. Yeah. Sediments. It's not a lake. <laughs> it's an ocean of sentiment. <laughs> I absolutely love this. Like, this is one of those games I've talked about quite a few times over the year. It just, it did make such an impact on me the first time we played this game. If there's any game I'm hoping for, like, a, a, a sequel, like a, a proper sequel... It would be this this franchise. It's it feels a little incomplete. Like I wanted to see what happened. Like I just I almost dismiss the DLC that currently exists for this game. Like especially the first two releases after this, I, I find that they're kind of bullshit. Especially the ones like the Verizon money grab. The American Nightmare isn't that bad, but it's like a it, American Nightmare is a totally different feel. It right? does. It does. It feel. doesn't feel like the same game it, 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 the best parallel that i could draw with it is alan wake to american nightmare is to far cry 3 is to blood dragon 
like they're incredibly different tonally like because it's like a lot more humor in american nightmare and then like it's kind of like a dark humor almost than it is like a horror survival horror game it it, it feels totally different american nightmare yeah, yeah. i mean wh- what that was trying to explain to be honest was we didn't really get into this with the story but um there's a character called mr scratch towards the end of alan wake he's almost like a doppelganger of alan wake because a big part of this game is the balance and what you have to have a sacrifice so Zang basically created Mr. Scratch, the doppelganger to Alan Wake, because there has to be a sacrifice in order to save Alice, essentially. You can't just write a happy-go-lucky ending and call it a day. There, like, There's a big sense of balance throughout this game between the light and the dark. And, and he mentions it quite a few times, whether it be in the uh, manuscripts that he write or within the narration within the game. Like th- They just keep coming back to this idea of balance. So they didn't really... They kind of threw Mr. Scratch in story-wise at the very end of the game without explaining it too much. It was just a quick, you have to, don't even, yeah, it even says, like, don't worry about him so much. And that's basically it. Yeah, it's like literally your twin. And he's smiling creepily, too. Yeah. So Oof. American Nightmare was to kind of explain him a little bit more. So I'm not going to get into that too, too much. But uh story, I find, is incredibly strong in this game i love the soundtrack like this is one of the soundtracks i've looked up songs numerous times on youtube um the the voice acting is is well polished graphically i think the game looks great i don't like it does look like it's toned down a little bit by today's standards but i think it still looks like a really cool game like i just the way that they did their lighting in the game and the enemies do get a little redundant so overall i guess i'm saying that the gameplay is probably it's it's weakest aspect but I still do enjoy the gameplay in this game as well. All right, let's 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 grade this game. The score. So your scale, I'd probably give it 6.5 out of 10. I would say somewhere between either wait for a sale or rent it because this is like a perfect – like this is a perfect uh, – pick it up used at GameStop and then return it within seven days because you could totally blow through this thing in about, you know, a day, you know, and just be done with it. So, yeah, somewhere between there, but if I had to put it somewhere, I'd say wait for a sale. With only three data points, it's hard. Uh, I think i give this a shrug. It, it, it's it's good. Don't get me wrong. I like the story. I'd be excited, more excited to watch it as like a TV show than I would as playing it as game again. Just because I think it just kind of gets kind of old. Grade B minus C plus. So, you know, it's above average. It's well made. It's There's nothing structurally wrong with it. It's just, you know, it just is. So for me, kind of in the same vein, the game right now retails for $15 on Steam. If you can find it on a Steam sale for like 10 bucks, totally worth it. Pick it up. Got it for 250 yeah, so like on a regular sale, it'll probably go on sale for like ten to five, ten bucks. Absolutely, pick it up. It's worth that to play through it. But if you have no other options and you have a place where you could rent it, it's definitely just a rental. It's good. I, I again, I think it just it harkens back to what I was saying before, where it's a rental. It's great the first time. The second time, I think all the luster is spoiled. I. This is I hold this game in high regards. Uh, again, this is like one of those ones that really stand out. Like, if I think back to the past ten years of gaming, 
this is one of those games I absolutely remember. There's a lot of titles I totally forgot everything about, but how strongly I felt about the storyline in this title is is what's keeping it alive. So I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10. Wow. That, that's going to tie with uh, Earthbound. Wow. 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 So I think that's going to end the episode for this evening. Stay tuned. I think we're going to do Metal Gear Survive next because we need to <laughs> we need to take care of that. Is that is that what's going to be next? <laughs> yeah, because I think we need to spend a little time on um, you poor bastards. Uh, Dark Souls. Yeah. So I think it would be smarter to, to it's squeeze a, it's it. A, so Metal Gear Survive is a twenty-hour game. You can beat you can beat it in twenty hours. Think about it. My nuts in a vice for twenty hours. Have you That's fucking a bet. played it, Ralph? That's a bet. Like, no, 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 no. Like, That's a bet. That's a bet. Playing that game versus... So get, Ralph goes get home. Get a vice. <laughs> <laughs> you sure you don't want to play? Sure, sure you don't want to play? So that's how we're going to end the episode. Talking about nuts and a vice. Ralph being a flame boy. Dude, come on. No, no, nobody, no one is going to say that this game is good. Nobody. I might not say it's good, but it's also not like a piece of fucking dirt. It's not going to be as bad as fucking Duck Dynasty, man. It's not your nuts and a vice, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's not your nuts and a vice. Jean-Luc, Jean-Luc, there's zombies right, over we, we there. We should wrap the episode. Colonel, <laughs> Colonel, <laughs> Jean-Luc. All right, till next time, John. I guess we'll see you in August. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially see you in August. Yeah. For Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> Eight or nine months from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Stay Sounds sexy. Good. Game over. Game over. Thanks for listening to Super Fun Game Review Podcast Go. Stay up to date on our Facebook at facebook.com slash superfunpodcast.